Pastor Chris's podcast. So I'm excited. My son Gavin will turn 23 in just a couple of weeks, and he was the first of uh, the grandchildren born into my mom's family, into to, between me and my siblings. And um, so at his first birthday party, we all wrote letters to him. There were even some letters from all the people in the family, but even letters from the church we were attending and, and special family friends. And we put it all in a time capsule and we sealed it up and we said we were going to open it on his 23rd birthday. So we're excited about that. Going to be doing that on July the 8th. And even in there, I was excited to think because we put together a video of a lot of different footage and stuff, made a little composition and um, we're excited about that. But then I remembered, oh my goodness, that was 23 years ago. That was on a VHS tape. So uh, thankfully, my father-in-law is a bit of a hoarder, and he actually has a, a VCR, and he got it out and checked it, and it works. So we're going to be able to watch that. We're excited about that. But Gavin was the first uh, grandchild born to my mother. And after that, the dam sort of broke, and all my siblings started having kids left and right, and all nieces and nephews coming. And I'm not really very good with names, and so I was, remember getting a little nervous that I'll be able to keep track of it all. But my sister, one time, thought that she was going to have twins at one point, and I said, that is awesome. But I was thinking to myself, oh goodness, how in the world am I going to remember two names, and how am I going to be able to tell them apart? And my sister said, yeah, twins, isn't that amazing? And one of them will be a girl, and one of them will be a boy, so we can have a boy and a girl, and we get it all done in one shot, and, and we'll be done. And I thought, that's great. But then she said, but I'm not sure what we should name them. But I'm, so I'm a fixer, and I'm an innovator, and I'm practical. So I said, well, well I think you should call the girl Denise. And she said, well, that's a pretty name. And then she said, but... Um, well, what would you call the boy? And I said, well, you should name him the nephew. <laughs> y'all laughed at that so much better than the people at the early service because y'all are awake and they were asleep and it has nothing to do with my lack of humor. <laughs> but that's not a true story. Lord, forgive me for uh, you know, telling a story in church, but uh, I thought it was funny. This summer, we are reviewing the names of God in Scripture. God has many names that represent his multifaceted character. And he has told us his names because God wants us to know him and what he is like. So through this series, I challenge you to expand your thinking about God and who he is. God is infinite and it is not enough to know him only in one way, because he is so much more than that. So strive to know God better and to understand his many qualities. So far, we have learned that God is Elohim, that he is both singular and plural. God is a triune God. He is the three in one, the Holy Spirit, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've also learned that he is El Shaddai, the almighty, all-sufficient God. In other words, he is everything you'll ever need. We've learned last Sunday on Father's Day that he is Abba, Father. You can relate to God like an infant relates to a loving dad. And today, we learn God's eternal name, the name by which he said he would be known throughout all the generations. That name is Yahweh. 
And I want to read to you from Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Exodus 3, 1 through 6. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, replied Moses. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. You know this passage, right? You remember this passage. What, what was God going to, what did God ask Moses to do? What did he ask him? He said, go, he wanted him to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, so that he could leave them out of slavery into the promised land. And then when we skip down to verse 13, we read on. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, people in the Middle East were very superstitious, especially in the ancient, in the ancient Middle East. They believed that you could manipulate a god if you knew its name. In Egypt, where Moses grew up, they had many, many gods. The, Egypt, the Egyptians used their gods' names along with magical spells in order to manipulate nature. So if they wanted some rain to help their crops grow, they would make a magical spell using the name of the rain god, and they would hope to bring rain. Or if they wanted it to be dry, they would pray to another god using that god's name and a magical spell that would somehow control that god. Well, we know that according to scripture, there is no other god. There's only one god, but any of these other gods are just false gods or they're idols or maybe they're demons or something. But they're not the one true God, Yahweh. And um, in the midst of all these thousands of thousands of Egyptian gods that the Hebrews would have been aware of and that Moses would have been aware of, Moses wants to know who is it that's speaking to him from this burning bush. And so God reveals his proper name to Moses, which shows that he is eternal 
and that he cannot be manipulated. He reveals his name is Yahweh. And it's a word that's hard to translate. It was probably impossible to really translate for the ancient Hebrews. And here we are, thousands of years later, speaking modern English. And it's difficult for us to understand it as well. But it means something like, I am who I am. And so when you hear this name, you get a sense of the unchanging, eternal quality of God's character. He is who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Notice that it's also present tense. I am. It's not I was. It's not I will be. It is I am. In other words, God is not some forgotten relic of the past, and it's not something that we just look forward to in the future when we get to heaven. God is right now, and he is always right now. <clears throat> now, one thing that is hard for us mortals to wrap our mind around is that God created time. He created time. We just, we just take time for granted. We, we, we imagine that time always existed. But if, if God created time, that means that at some point, there was no such thing as time. I can't understand that, can you? <coughs> I can't understand that. It, it boggles my mind. But because we can't imagine an existence without time. The human mind always tries to mark everything by what's happened, whether it happened yesterday, is it happening right now, will it happen tomorrow, um, even if we say something is happening right now, right, right then. As soon as you think about it, you say, well, he clapped his hand right now. No, I clapped my hand 10 seconds ago. It's past. I mean, right now is like, it's gone. How do you hold on to right now? God is I am. He's right now. But the human mind is always marking about something that happened yesterday or what will happen tomorrow. And sometimes we are consumed by our infatuation with time. So much so that we, we, we forget to live in the moment right now. Um, you know, Sherry, when you do your counseling... Um, when psychiatrists and, and psychologists do counseling, so much of what, the, the, what is ailing someone spiritually, emotionally, is connected to something that happened a long time ago. Maybe um, scars or wounds or mistreatments that happened in childhood, but they, they, have been, they have wrapped up in someone's mind and mentality so much that it's affecting who they are today. And they're trying to talk with someone and Learn how to break free from what happened in the past so that they can live when? Right now. And not be chained to what's happened in the past. Other people struggle with anxiety about what might happen in the future. Of course, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future, but some people are so consumed with fear about what might happen. I think about those people in Florida. You know, I mean, we, we all are probably thinking about that. I was talking to my wife about it. She's like, 
Well, now how am I going to go down to Florida and stay at the beach in one of those high rises? Because, you know, it might collapse. Chances are so small and so slim that it will actually happen. But some people are so consumed by that anxiety that they can't live when? Right now, because of what might happen in the future. This is a human problem because, well, we're not perfect. <laughs> Sin has entered into the picture and it has caused all kinds of problems. We can't live fully in the right now, even though that's where God is. God is the great I am, Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is a Hebrew word, and it's an ancient Hebrew word, and ancient Hebrew is really weird. <laughs> First of all, they write backwards, right? When we write, it's from left to right. They wrote from right to left, which is just weird. I don't know why they did that. Actually, I, I studied on why they did that and found out that actually that's a common thing for ancient, ancient languages because way back a long time ago, they didn't write with a pen on a piece of paper. They wrote on stone. So they would take a chisel and hold it with their right hand because most people are right-handed, and then they would hit it with the hammer, and they would chisel. And for something about the action of doing that, it's easier to go from right to left than it is from left to right. So that's the way they would do it. It wasn't until modern times when people began using ink and paper, because see, if you, if you take a pen and you try to write from right to left, you're going to smear the ink all over the paper. If you write from left to right, your hand is in front of the ink and it doesn't smear it. But that's ancient Hebrew. Another thing that's weird is that ancient Hebrew didn't have vowels. I was telling Abigail that the other day, and she was like, that's just dumb. Why didn't they have vowels? I was like, well, I mean, I was doing a really bad job of explaining it. I hope I can do better for you, but it's kind of like, I mean, it was a pretty big breakthrough for them to have consonants. Because at some point, someone somewhere was saying, be great. I mean, it, talking is great, but it'd be great if I could write your name down. <laughs> and so somebody had the bright idea, let's take a symbol and attach it to the sound that comes out of your mouth. And so they came up with these consonants. And everybody, nobody was like, well, why didn't you come up with vowels? They were all like, that is so cool. That is so cool. You can write Bill's name, B-L-L. And nobody thought anything about it. It was like, well, that makes perfect sense. And even today, you know, if I was send out an email and I mistyped Bill's name and just put B-L-L, -L, everybody would read it and they would be like, Pastor, miss typo again. And everybody would look at it and say, that means he meant to say Bill, but he forgot to put the I in there. Because you could tell. But it could have been bowl. <laughs> or it could have been bull. Or it could have been ball. But in the ancient world, they just assumed. If, you know, they figured out. And it wasn't until later on down the line that they all started figuring out, okay, there's too many BLLs out there. We've got to figure out how to designate between all of them. And then they put the vowels in there. But ancient Hebrew didn't have vowels. They weren't invented yet. Another weird thing about language is that the sounds of things change over time. So we don't pronounce things the same way that Shakespeare did in the 1600s. Um, 
And that's been true for all civilizations throughout time. And also, if you go to a different country, you run into this, okay? For instance, we all know how to say J-O-H-N. How do you say that? John. That is absolutely correct, unless you go to Germany. In Germany, you say Jan, because they don't have, the J sound in Germany is a Y sound. And if you go to Mexico, it would be Juan, because the J sound there would be a, maybe a W. Same thing, but we pronounce it differently. And the same was true throughout history. As you read God's name, Yahweh, is spelled Y-W, I'm sorry, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. That was how the ancients spelled it. But is the Y sound a J sound or a Y sound? <laughs> also, W can be pronounced different ways, right? In the United States, everybody knows you say, what y'all gonna, what you want for lunch, right? What you want for lunch, W. If you go to maybe say Russia, you say, what you want for lunch, what you want for lunch. W and V sound the same. And so in, we look at uh, uh, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, and a lot of biblical scholars are from Germany, and so they would say J-H-V-H, and um, you have all kind of confusion around. Now, Jews became very suspicious about using God's name. Even though he said, this is my name, this is how you will know my name throughout all the generations. But Jews became very superstitious about God's name, about using God's name, starting around the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we're talking about about 300 B.C. till the time that Christ was alive. Now, remember the Ten Commandments? One of those Ten Commandments says, do not misuse the name of the Lord. Or it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. And so, there's been confusion through the years about what does that really mean? And of course, a lot of people today say, well, it means you shouldn't, you know, use God's name in a bad way. Uh, others people say, no, it really what it means, and what I believe it means is, don't Live your life in such a way that you bespoil the name of God, the reputation of God. Don't, you're representing him. Don't misrepresent him by bad living, bad behavior. But in the intertestamental period, that's the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they began to think, oh, we got to be really careful. We don't want to misuse the name of the Lord. We don't want to even say it or even write his name. So they would substitute the Hebrew word for Lord. Instead of writing Yahweh, they would write the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord. Others would intersperse the vowels for the word Adonai, because they had invented vowels by that time. They would intersperse the vowels for Adonai with the Hebrew consonants for Yahweh. And so what you would get for Y-H-W-H would become, would become Y-A-H-O-W-I-H, or Yahowah, or if you pronounce the Y as a J, it would become Jehovah, or Jehovah, like Jehovah's Witnesses. So Jehovah is actually not um, in the Bible, 
but it's what people began to call, as instead of saying, we don't want to say the name Yahweh, we will designate some way to say Yahweh without actually saying Yahweh, we will say Jehovah. That superstition has persisted throughout the centuries right up until today. And so in most of your biblical translations, you will find wherever the word Yahweh is supposed to be, it will be translated as Lord. And they will put it in all capital letters, L-O-R-D. And that is always an indication when you see Lord in all capital letters, that is an indication what you're looking at is the name of God. Yahweh, but they didn't want to say it. They didn't want to write it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 in the New Testament says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Many people read the Bible and they remark that the Old Testament seems so much harsher than the New Testament. Perhaps you have felt that way. Sometimes people will say, you know, I really like Jesus, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. He just, he seems so vengeful. Jesus is so loving, but the God of the Old Testament is so vengeful. And I can understand how some people would get that impression that that Jesus is somehow different from the God of the Old Testament. But that's an oversimplification of the Bible that doesn't really hold true. If you really study and you really understand the Bible, you will find that there is mercy and grace in the Old Testament. For instance, God saved and delivered the the Israelites out of Egypt. Why did he do that? Because they were such good people and they deserved it? (laughs) No, they weren't good people. They did a lot of bad things. But God was gracious and merciful. And he saved them from slavery in Egypt, even though they didn't deserve it. That's like the definition of grace. And even though they were stubborn and stiff-necked for 400 years wandering through the, or for 40 years wandering through the desert, he continued to be with them. He continued to lead them into the promised land. So, and you also will find judgment and vengeance in the New Testament. I mean, have you ever read the book of Revelation? And the, the plagues and the destruction that will be poured out. And several people say, well, I love the New Testament, but I'm just leaving the revelation out of it. What about Acts? Have you ever read the book of Acts? Do you remember that time when the Holy Spirit struck Ananias and Sapphira dead on the spot? Was it because they murdered someone? No, it's because they lied about some money to the disciples. So we see that there's both grace and mercy in the Old Testament and vengeance in the New Testament. So to call the Old Testament harsh and the New Testament sweet is naive. It's an oversimplification. Jesus in the New Testament and Yahweh in the Old Testament are the same God. In fact, Jesus even specifically called himself I am, as a translation of God's holy name, Yahweh. While he was arguing with the Jews about what it means to be a child of God and what it means to follow God and what it means to be the people of God, Jesus said to God, 
Jesus said that he was God. In John 8, 58, Jesus referred to himself with the ancient eternal name of God when he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. And remember how I told you that uh, the Jews were extremely superstitious about God's name? Saying God's name was enough to get you stoned to death. And that's what the Jews in John 8 tried to do to Jesus. They tried to stone him to death because he said, I am. But because Jesus is Yahweh, he was able to disappear and go out from among them unharmed. But so many people only see Jesus as their friend or their buddy. And Jesus is a friend. He's a friend for sinners. But a true friend is someone who tells you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. Furthermore, Jesus is more than just your friend. Jesus is the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God of the universe. And we would be fools to forget it and only think of Jesus as our buddy. The God of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New Testament are one and the same. There is no difference whatsoever in the character or actions of the Old Testament and the New Testament God. He is who he is. And just because you don't like it or it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean you can disregard it. The, more, the, more, the, the Old Testament focuses more on God's judgment, power, and sovereignty, and the New Testament focuses more on God's mercy, love, and grace. But it's not one or the other. It's both. And that is why Jesus preached throughout the Gospels. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sin and believe the good news. Repent and believe. The bad news is, the bad news that makes us feel uncomfortable, the bad news that we don't want to hear is that you have sinned. And the consequences of your sin is death and punishment. The good news is Jesus, God, loves you so much that he paid for your sin by dying on the cross. He took your place. Therefore, you can repent and be saved. But in order to be saved, you must repent. And you must let Yahweh be the absolute Lord of your life. So then I want to do something strange with you today. Because we are on holy ground and in the presence of a strange and holy God. When God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, he said, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. So now in the presence of holy Yahweh, in this holy place where generations of people have gathered to worship Yahweh. I want to invite you to take off your shoes.
Take off your shoes. And now as you feel the earth, the holy ground beneath your feet, bow your heads and close your eyes. And imagine that Yahweh is here right now. Because he is. Perhaps it almost feels as if you could feel the heat from the burning bush warm against your skin. And God is calling your name. Your name. And he says, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am the God of your ancestors. I am the God of the Old Testament. I am the God of the New Testament. I am God. I am Yahweh, the great I am. I am who I am. I do not change. You cannot control me or manipulate me. You cannot make me what you want me to be. But I made you what I wanted you to be. I simply am who I am. And now as you are in the presence of the I am, take a moment to talk with him. Share what's on your heart and in your mind. Or maybe in this holy place, you just listen to what the great I am would say to you for a few moments. And so now we will sit in the uncomfortable silence as we have our conversation with our I am God. holy name of Yahweh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.